Welcome, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Punches and Potables, powered by Last Out Media. First in, Last Out. You can find us on all listening platforms, as well as on Instagram and Twitch, at Podcast Potables Network, and on Twitter and Untapped at Process Potables. For news, blog posts, archived episodes, and info on breweries we featured, go to www.processpotables.com. Punches and Potables is on tap. Cheers, everyone. Welcome back to the show, Punches and Potables. I am your host, Paul Ryan, here again with my little brother, Sean Hardy. Until you change your name to Paul Ryan, I'm not going to acknowledge you. <laughs> you just said, until I change my name to Paul Ryan, you're not going to acknowledge me. Paul Hardy. Smart. There, there you go. from Paul Little Ryan. better. Go. Dumbass. Uh, and as always, we're here with our editor-in-chief, the captain, Dan Morgan. God, I, I live every week for just how the show is going to start between you two. It's honestly probably my favorite part. You're welcome. Brotherly love, what can I say? And unfortunately, our other co-host, Rob Huber, is quarantining because of his, uh, yeah, Dan went a little hard on the air quotes there, but we'll say he's doing the right thing and being safe. So here with us is a friend of my little brother's, supporter of the show since day one, and not too big of a pain in my ass over the years. Welcome to Anthony Mazziotti, everybody. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me. That's like the nicest thing Paul's ever said about anybody. Yeah, sure. right? I'll take it. Also, I was air quoting that uh, we were disappointed Rob wasn't here, not that he was quarantining. Yeah, yeah. That, not too big a disappointment, to be honest with you. Oh, uh, well, that's fair. <laughs> I'll stick up for Rob. He seems like a nice guy. Uh, he is. I'm just not really missing the Harley Davidson rings right now. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. You're going to get an angry text about that one. I'm not <laughs> mad about it, though. So before we get started, Maz, you want to give yourself a selfless plug here so can people can follow you? Uh, yeah, you can uh, follow me for uh, angry tweets about Philadelphia sports on Twitter at Aunt Masiati. That's uh, that's about it. Oh, thank God. So you're not a Cowboys fan? Absolutely not. All right, the room is even again. <laughs> that's fair. It's really not. not so before we uh, so before we talk about what we're all drinking, Dan gave us something to share. Dan, you want to tell us what we're drinking? Yeah, I gave everybody a little taste of Bonesaw Brewing's most recent beer. We put it out yesterday, finally for the holiday season. Uh, back from last year, one of my favorites from them. This is called Cheer. It's like a winter warmer kind of spiced ale. You got some notes of chocolate, a little bit of coffee, some orange peel, a lot of different things happening in this beer. And what I love is that they all come together so well, but you can honestly pick out each one of them and, and taste each little thing. But uh, it clocks in at 7.3%. Again, just released on Monday. Uh, we'll be brewing that throughout the holiday season. So cheap plug from... Uh, my brewery, Bonesaw Brewery, but easily one of my favorite beers from before I even started working there. And uh, let me know what you think, guys. I, I gave everyone a little taste of a uh, sample I was able to snag from work after we canned, I don't know, I think we canned about nine or 10,000 12-ounce cans of this just on Monday. Oh, yeah, I just drank wow. mine down. That was good. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, it's really smooth. It's really good. So let's punch open these beers that we got and... Uh... Go through it. I am drinking an oldie, but a goodie that we already talked about from Bonesaw Brewery as well. I'm drinking the swoosh again. I got that too. Sean? Uh, yeah, I'm drinking a pumpkin ale from Whole Hog, which was uh, brewed in Wisconsin. It's really good. It's really smooth. Tastes just like pumpkin pie. Ooh. Sweet. All right, Maz? Uh, I'm drinking the uh, Fall Classic IPA from Treehouse, brewed up in uh, Massachusetts. Oh, Nice. All right, well then, let's jump right into it. We had a fight night that just passed over the weekend. We're going to go through some of the prelims, and then I will open up a few of the uh, main card fights for discussion. The first fight was Nate Manis defeated Luke Sanders by submission in the second round. Then you had Sumuda Jerry defeat Malcolm Gordon by first round TKO. Gina Mazzani by third-round TKO over Rachel Ostovich. Then you had Martin Day lose to Anderson Dos Santos by a first-round guillotine choke. Now we're open up to the main card. You had a fairly quick one in Jonathan Pierce KOing Kai Nakamura. Then you had Ashley Evans-Smith, a veteran, but I believe this is her first fight back after a torn ACL. 
She lost a unanimous decision to Norma Dumont Blana, I'm going to say. Then you had the Alpha Ginger lose to Bill Algeo. And after that fight, Bill Algeo called out Jiga Chikadze, which I think would be a great fight. But we're going to open up discussion with the heavyweight fight between Parker Porter versus Josh Parisian with a decision win by Parker Porter. Um, I thought Josh won the first round, but I thought Parker won the second and third. But by the third round, both of these big heavyweights retired and gas, and you can tell, but Parker was able to do enough to pull out the win. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, it was a very typical heavyweight fight. The first round, they came out throwing. Second round, throwing stopped a little bit. By the third round, they were just two fat guys standing there trying to hit each other. It, it was an entertaining fight for what it was. Uh, neither one of them really did anything to move a meter for anyone. They're not really going to get anything highlight-wise, fight, you know, big fight-wise in the heavyweight division, but at least they were entertaining in the three rounds that they just swung. Yeah, I think they're both from the Dana White Contender Series, and this is only their first or second fight, so they're definitely not moving up any rankings anywhere, but like you said, for what it was, it was entertaining. Sean, you just have such a way with words. I just wanted to comment on that. that was, Common uh, wordsmith, you know. That's a true, true poetry from you. Moving on to the co-main event, Michael Baiza defeated Takashi Sato in the second round with an arm triangle. It was Baiza's first win in his career by submission. He now moves to 10-0 and and is moving up in the welterweight division. I think his next fight will probably be against someone ranked in the back end of the top 15 because he does have a big win over a big name in Matt Brown before this fight. What do you think? Um, I mean, honestly, uh, th- this fight could go down as abuse because Miguel abused him. It wasn't close. The the choke was probably a blessing in disguise for him. And uh, yeah, he, he. I mean, with a name like Matt Brown under your record, he's probably going to jump up. I would say maybe not get a top fifteen fight, but on his way towards a top fifteen fight. Uh, I think he's definitely going to get someone in the top fifteen. This is uh three straight finishes, two back to back performance of the night bonuses. Or yeah, performance of the night bonuses for him. He's got to got to break into the top fifteen eventually. I was thinking someone at the back end of the top fifteen, kind of like a uh, probably your boy Pettis would be an entertaining one. Watching those two guys stay in the middle of the ring and throw. All right, look, dude, the man is phenomenal. Was phenomenal, okay, it, as in Pettis. All right, he may not be as enter. Oh, correction, he is as entertaining as ever. He just never learned how to wrestle. But yeah, I would definitely be in for that. Although I'd be pretty much down to watch Pettis fight anytime he's on the card. Would they stand and bang though? Would or would they just pull that same bullshit where they just respect each other's power too much and dance around the octagon for fifteen minutes? I think Baiza is at the point where he's still trying to make a name for himself, so I think he would go in there trying to finish Pettis. I don't think he'd go in there and try and finish him. I think uh honestly, the the MO's out there and I think he'd game plan and just try and take him down. Yeah, but then that would be boring as hell. No one wins. Except for him, I guess. But Yeah, but then you get Pettis under your belt. Then you move up in the rankings. And Can't then you turn to George St. Pierre. Oh, God. Don't you start that. Don't you disrespect GSP because Dan is a big GSP fan, too. Sorry, Dan. I won't apologize to Paul, though. That's fair. I appreciate that in so many ways. Hurtful. Very hurtful. You have to have feelings to hurt. That's fair. But moving on to the main event. The main event was originally supposed to be Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis. But we all kind of saw that being a one-sided affair. But that fight got postponed because Curtis Blades tested positive for the Rona. So Anthony Lionheart-Smith, who we've talked about a lot over the last couple of weeks, got moved up to the main event against Devin Clark, who is unranked, but he isn't a bad fighter. Before his fight with Anthony Smith, his last couple losses were to uh, Alexander Ratchik, Ryan Spann, and the current champion, Jan Blachowicz. So before this fight, he was coming in on, a, I believe, a three-fight streak. But it was quickly snapped by Anthony Lionheart-Smith with a first-round triangle choke. Look, we have disrespected Anthony Smith a lot on this show. Uh, as I said to you right before we even started this, I mean, when you look at the guy's resume, he's got Shogun, Rashad, and Gustafson all under his belt as wins. The guy deserved the title shot he got. He hit that three-fight skid, and all three of us being, with including Rob, 
have pretty much wrote the guy off, I guess you could say. We're like, ah, he's a back end of the top 10 guy. He'll never do anything. And honestly, I thought he was pretty impressive with his triangle performance. I would like to see him get another top, probably another top five fight. Maybe even, yeah, probably around top five. Maybe jump up and, well, I guess it's not a big jump if you're only moving one spot. But maybe fight the five to get back in there. Well, the five is booked to fight uh, Reyes. Oh, Jiri, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to try that name. It's like Projaka. It's very Polish. Sure. So even if he goes back and he fights the seven, which is Osimir or, or Krylov at the eight, either way to keep his ranking, at least getting him back to a ranked opponent. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with that. Uh, the guy I actually had him pinned for uh, was the nine, Johnny Walker. I think that will be an entertaining fight to catch. That's who I've been pushing for for a while. I think Johnny, those two have been trash-talking each other on Twitter for a while. And now that he's back in the win column, now would be the time to have Johnny Walker take that step up and book that fight. Yeah, I feel like every uh, we've all been kind of calling for Johnny Walker to fight someone in the near future. Because he's he's actually got a surprisingly big name for a guy who hasn't done much in the division, to be honest with you. And it's pro, it's pure his entertainment value. He's either getting knocked out or he's knocking someone out. Well, he's only been knocked out once. Uh, well, whatever way he's but losing, still. he's entertaining and is losing. He lost to Corey Anderson by knockout, and then Nikita Krylov wrestled him to death. Yeah. GSP'd him. It's a fair quote for that. He Matt Hughes him because, you know, it started for, like, Hughes. Yeah, but Hughes at least and ground And Mark Coleman. Man. Look, dude. Hughes and Mark Coleman were a little more entertaining because at least there was blood. GSP was the closest thing to gay porn you could put on television. I'm sure Dan, if we could see Dan's face behind that screen, he'd be giving you a very dirty look. No, no. He he partially agrees with it. I think he's all right. <laughs> He'll be fine back there. As for Devin Clark, you got to think somebody probably right outside the top 15 or maybe even the 15 in Oven St. Pru. But I come back to the guy who just got booted out of the top 15 in uh, Iwan Kunselaba. Yeah, yeah, that's probably fair. Um, especially since OSP, I believe, is booked to fight, so it'd be a little tough for him to get him. So I, I would agree with you. Someone on the back end of the top fifteen, maybe try and get into the rankings prior than than jumping all the way up and trying to take on the six when you're not even ranked. So yeah, I would I would go there. Yeah, that was a little too much too soon, and we both kind of well, we all kind of thought that last week when we talked about Anthony Smith taking that uh, fight against an unranked opponent. But there was an announcement today of a fight being canceled. Um, Kamzat Chimaev and Leon Edwards was canceled today because both guys uh, tested positive for COVID. So they're trying to reschedule that and push that fight to January or February. So I believe the fight night that they were headlining will now be headlined by uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, and who's the number five against an unranked guy in Jeff Neal. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing that we're looking at with with Smith taking on the unranked opponent, if I remember right, uh, Steve, uh, Wonderboy is, is really not on – what's he – I think he's dropped two in a row, maybe even three in a row. I think he got one back. I think he beat Vicente Luque okay, and yes. hasn't fought since. So he's gotten one back. So he's at least one in three in his last couple fights. Maybe, yeah, probably about one in three because he lost two to Woodley. Then he lost to Till. Then he lost to Pettis. And then he beat – Vicente Luque. So, yeah, he's he's not really on a major streak. The fact that he's – you said he's the five? Yeah, last I checked, he was still the five. That's why, pretty – Why would you take this fight? Like, what is the what is the benefit of taking an unranked opponent in this situation? To get a win. To get a win, but Jeff Neal's a dangerous guy who a lot of people were avoiding and not trying to take that fight, so. It seemed like Wonderboy was in a weird spot, too. It seems like he was trying to call people out. Yeah, I saw he had the world's nicest call out to Leon Edwards. It was adorable. <laughs> I felt my heart was so warm and full – I wanted that to happen so bad. Yeah, his inability to talk trash is impressive. But, like, he's in such a weird spot that nobody wants to fight him because he's he is a very dangerous fighter. But he's also in such a skid. I don't even know how you rank him the five. Like, is the welterweight division, like, really starting to get this weak that he somehow jumped all the way to the five? No, I just think because of lack of activity, people kind of kind of slid in there, like you said, because Leon hasn't fought forever. He was the three. Michael Chiesa was the seven. He hasn't fought forever. Like, RDA was the nine. And he's back down. Back in lightweight. So, it's kind of like a weird position at welterweight. Welterweight is very, it's a very good division, but it's very top-heavy. Like, there's the top guys who are just elite, and then there's a lot of very good guys in the middle. So, they gave Leon Edwards back his ranking, according to the UFC website. Yeah, they gave it back when he finally booked. 
for him to not fight again. That's such a weird, like, carrot in front of the horse thing. Just sign to fight, buddy, and you can have your ranking back. <laughs> it is. They're, they're all weird. It is what it is. Well, Jeff Neal is ranked. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's the 11. Okay. Um, Pettit, yeah. Actually, this it's really not as crazy stacked division as I mean the welterweight division used to be stacked out of its mind, and really looking at it now, it's it's not what it used to be, but it's still no. a very solid division. No, I think it's so top heavy between the top three, counting Usman, so really top two and Usman. It's it's really no competition from that point. So back. like Gilbert Burns, Usman, Covington, whatever gets me an entertaining fighter to get the belt back. That's all I really want. Yeah. So you're hoping Gilbert Burns wins? Sure. You know he's all Covington. Oh, yeah, big time. I can't stand Covington. I mean, look, I don't hate Usman. I'm not saying he's the most entertaining. And he, he's he's just so all-around. He, he's so good all-around that he just nullifies everyone else's game. That's why I had the same beef with Tyron Woodley because yeah. he was he was just so good at beating you but in the most boring way possible that he would just shut you down, and that was it. Well, Woodley's problem is he was entertaining until he got the belt. Exactly. He was knocking everybody out, and then he got the belt, and he was like, all right, I'm going to slow down and play this the safest way possible to keep the belt. His fight with uh, Damian Maya was just uh, the Damian worst Maya's. thing I've seen in my life. <laughs> I don't know. Next I, to Jake Shields. I did Next watch Jake Shields' fight. I did watch Kimbo versus Dada 5000. <laughs> that was terrible. Uh, look, dude, Dada had two heart attacks in the ring, all right? That can't be too entertaining. No, not at all. But, I mean, think about it. Like, Woodley got the belt, knocked out Lawler. Cold. Yeah, clean. Then he had an entertaining... His first fight with Wonderboy was very entertaining. His, the second one, he just played it safe and just pointed him to death. Yeah, which actually, I thought he lost the second one. Actually, I thought he lost both. Well, I remember the first like one, it was a majority draw. Then the second fight, they gave it to Woodley, even though I believe most of us thought he lost. Yeah, definitely. I thought he lost both those fights. No, he... Uh, well, I thought he lost both those fights, but we're not the judges. But I did bring up a Bellator fight, so we will move on to a Bellator topic. Scott Coker, who was basically the Dana White of Bellator, said his featherweight tra- champion, Patricio Pitbull, would knock out the UFC champion, Alexander Volkanovsky, and majority of the top five featherweights in that division. I think Patricio is good and one of the top guys in the world, but I'm not ready to say he'd do all that. I think Scott Coker has blown a little bit of smoke. He's not overhyping Patricio because Patricio is very good and can knock out anybody. But the difference between Bellator and the UFC is very big. I agree with you. Uh, I do think if Patricio came over, he's the top three guy in that in that division right away. Sure. Um, hands down. I think he'd be a nightmare matchup for anyone. Actually, I think he'd be a nightmare matchup for Volkanovski because they're actually a very similar stylistic fighter, but Patricio seems to be a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, considering he jumps so much in Bellator between lightweight and featherweight, and he's able to knock out the lightweights. I understand your similar size, but still a 10-pound difference. So I like Patricio, and I, I really – look, Cooker, Coker, 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 whatever it is, he has to actually – like he's got one cash cow left in Bellator. And that's like really – Well, th- that's homegrown. He still has a couple cash cows that are basically guys who jumped over from the UFC. Well, he's got Lima too, so he's got two. But still – Regardless of the situation, um, he, he's got to hype him up. He has to, especially because Patricio started all that Twitter nonsense, like, oh, I'd knock out any lightweight. And I know we're going to touch on him later. He literally just finished the guy that the UFC seems to be protecting. He did. So, in reality, I'm not saying he's wrong, but I'm saying Coker has a point. To pursue and and promote this guy, I mean, dude, he's. I think he's trying to promote a cross a cross brand fight. Is what I really think he's pushing for. I mean, well, I don't. I don't see why not. I, I do want to say. Uh, yeah, I believe in his last fight, he tuned up a guy that's been outcast by the UFC for years in uh, Benson Henderson. The talent level just isn't the same. I get that Scott Coker needs to pump up and try to draw in views and get all this stuff and draw attention to his guy because. Uh, if you if you ask the average person that might catch a fight out of Buffalo Wild Wings, you know, are you familiar with Bellator? They'd probably say no, I would assume at least. So you you got to try to draw up some attention some way somehow. But he would likely be a top five guy if he came over to the UFC. But I don't know. I just the, the competition's not the same there. So it's like one of those things we could just daydream and pipe dream about. But I don't I don't know. Not until they sign like a crossover fight. 
Well, like I said, I think he could definitely come in and compete with those top five guys, sure. but I don't think he'd be as successful as Scott Coker is building up to be. But like you said, he has to. He has to build his brand. He has to push his stars. Now, could you see him coming in there and having a lot of fun fights like Volkanovski, like the Korean Zombie, like Max Holloway? Yeah, they would be great. They'd be a lot of fun. But until he gets out from under that Bellator branch and comes in and fights with the big boys, you won't really know or really see it. Because I don't see Dana White doing that cross-promotional brand with Bellator. He has nothing to gain. No. If he was going to do it, I could see him doing it with one FC or one championship, whatever it's called now, because that's the biggest organization in the East. So it's kind of like Pride was back in the day. So it would be like UFC versus Pride would have been back in the day. Well, in all fairness, too, sorry to cut you off, Ian. Um, You're good. I mean, it's not like a Bellator guy hasn't come to the UFC and won a belt. Eddie Fair. Alvarez did come from Bellator and came over here and won a belt and was very successful in the and UFC. And fast. Yeah, I mean, he, he pretty much fast-tracked his way in. That's true, but Eddie right. Alvarez also fought in Pride and a bunch of other organizations. And, and I fair. get what you're saying, but Eddie Alvarez was well-traveled before he got to the UFC. Yeah, but I'm just saying you've also seen other guys. So Patricio obviously has hype, and he should. He just beat Chandler. Like, I mean, I know he beat Henderson, but he beat Chandler, I think, within the last eight months. Yeah. So you go from that, and then the UFC brought in guys like Ben Askren, who were these undefeated prospects from other organizations. Bellator. He was a former Bellator champion and won, a, and won championship champion. Right. So he had two belts, came to the UFC, and got pretty much embarrassed the moment he stepped in outside of his fluke win over Lawler. He needs to stick to Bitcoin. I don't know if you guys follow him on Twitter. He does nothing but talk about... uh. Someone help me out. What's that stuff called? Cryptocurrency. He does nothing but talk about cryptocurrency, and he needs to just stick to that. He should not step foot in the octagon again. Well, speaking of Benson Hend- or Ben Askren, he did tease a possible comeback, and that he's kicking around the idea. Who's he fighting? They haven't said yet. He said he's uh, talking to Dana White, and he's considering it. So that leaves open the conversation. Who could it be? Who would it be? Jake Paul. <laughs> please, please, Logan Paul. Logan Paul. Get his brother in there. Whatever one it is, I know it's one of the Paul brothers from YouTube who was trying to get the fight with him. That's so dumb, like, because Ben Askren's a world-class wrestler, and that guy's a D-grade boxer. If Ben Askren would just take him down and GSP him, that wouldn't even be a fight. It wouldn't be entertaining. Why would, aside from the blatant money grab, that's that's dumb, and I'm not taking my misplaced anger out on you. But well, that's the dumb shit-talking like from Ben Askren and the boom roasted would be glorious. I mean, I did find uh, that kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm Ben Askren, if I'm going to come back, you know they're going to give him a top 10, top 15 guy. So you're probably looking at the back end at this point. If Chiesa was available, I'd say Chiesa. But at this point, you're probably looking at somebody like a Vicente Luque. I don't know, man. Give him Woodley. Why not? They yeah. had beef. He was pushing for a belt. Woodley's pretty much Fuck done it. his career. They're not going to do that. They were teammates and friends, and Askren was his wrestling coach for MMA for years. All right, so way to rain on that parade, Paul. You're welcome. Uh, uh, you can't do the Jorge. Give him Jorge again, dude. Let's see if the flying knee works twice. Uh, I don't think that's going to work because, like I said, they're trying to do Covington and maybe the ultimate fighter. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, dude, it'll, it'll, get turn, it'll get taken off ESPN Plus just for Covington's consistently just stepping the line. Just racially stepping the line, like it'll it'll be bad. Well, he did just call out LeBron James for a boxing match because of LeBron's uh, Black Lives Matter and anti-Trump talking points. Dead serious. I think LeBron will give him the hands. He he don't have the reach. LeBron <laughs> would LeBron would tune him up, man. Just keep him at bay. And I'm sure he trains boxing at least a little bit. Treat him like a little boy. Put that hand out there like the old cartoons. Oh, and let him swing Lord. and he couldn't hit him. There's yes. not a chance in hell LeBron can fight. <laughs> you don't think so? Dude, I'm gets, sure he hits. A, I'm uh, sure he hits a heavy bag. To he's, train. Had, he's had guys on his teams be his enforcers his entire career. This he is doesn't true. throw punches. He pays people to do it. For but him. why would you do that if you're the best player in basketball? I mean, I've he's the no best player in basketball. He's not the best fighter. I've seen him get flicked in the face and yeah. full on soccer it. And I'm a soccer <laughs> fan, and I've seen some flops. LeBron's got it down, yeah. uh, dude. But there's gonna be some hate behind that. Listen, I know Coley's a world class fighter, and that's fine. Uh, I just. LeBron's got so much size. I don't believe LeBron hates anybody unless they mess with his money. Yeah. Huh, yeah. That's really wishful thinking for fair me point. there. All right, so maybe, like I said, a Vicente Luque or possibly back, a back topic. Neil Magny, since he already lost to Damian Maya. 
I don't know who can Ben Askren wrestle to death because that's really the only way he's going to get a win here. His striking is not up to UFC par, and that's been shown. So Neil Magny? Yeah, but Neil Magny's not bad at striking. He just wins a couple to... He's, he's not, but when he has been taken down, it's been shown multiple times he can't get back up. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I guess Neil Magny. Uh, all I really have to add to this conversation is this is the worst trade possibly ever. <laughs> that They should have never... Uh, huh. Giving up uh, Demetrius Johnson for Ben Askren, arguably one of the top, I would say five six fighters of all time. I think that's that's fair, if not uh, low ball. Yeah. yeah, I mean at this point, well, it is it. Though? He didn't he didn't really face that dude. That that flyweight division, at least when he was there, was not the best. So talent wise, nice. I fully agree with you. Financially wise, the UFC made a brilliant move. Absolutely, they should unify the belts. Have him fight uh, Figgy Smalls. I don't think they'll ever do it because I think ONE FC tried to cross promote, and the UFC said no. And then just watch DJ just rip him apart. Well, if we're talking about David Figueroa, somebody just mentioned that they might be coming back and called out David Figueroa, and it's not the person who has been doing it in Cody Garbrandt, the king keep, of cringe. Keep him away from my sport. <laughs> Henry Cejudo has come out and said David Figueroa is just keeping you know a placeholder and keeping that belt warm for him. You should just fight Valentina Shevchenko and move on and create the intergender championship. I'm not against it. You know he did that, right? Like that's like yeah. a legitimate thing he did. Yeah, and then they like met and they like yeah. I think he did it with uh I thought was it Shevchenko or Nunes? I know it was one of them. It was Shevchenko because she was the flyweight champion at the same time he was flyweight. Yeah, so she'd pick him apart. <laughs> for sure, her striking is ridiculous. I like it. I would actually like to see Cejudo come back because it would actually bring more excitement and more competitiveness back to the flyweight division that doesn't seem to be there anymore. And I think Figueroa is an absolute beast, and I don't think Cejudo would be able to come in and have his way with him. Yeah, he might not be able to bully Figueroa the way he's bullied other people. And with Cody Garbrandt coming down, that's somebody else's power he's got to be careful of. Yeah, so. it's, that's three big names to come down to the flyweight division. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to re- resurrect it, but it maybe give it a little bit of a resurgence. I said it's the money Uncle Dana wants to. Well, he's still calling out Volkanovsky trying to be triple C, well, quadruple C now, to try to get that, you know, fourth gold. I hate him. He He's good, but I hate him. Yeah, I don't blame him, though. I mean, Connor created that, or Dana created that monster with Connor, and Cejudo just rode on the coattails and did it better. Uh, the king of cringe. Anybody who watches him just... You gotta cringe. He, as good as a fighter he is, I can't watch his videos or his interviews because they're just so awful. Yeah, his shit talking is legendary, like bad. Legendarily bad. Just bad. Like you thought Nate Diaz's uh, shit talking was bad when he told Conor McGregor, "I don't know what a gazelle is. I'm an American homie." You call like that you- bad? I call that beautiful. That's like that's like Chael Sonnen talking about the. Uh, the Noguera brothers and the one that thought the bus was the horse. It's just in that vein, and it's Listen, beautiful. Chael Sonnen is the best shit talker in MMA, period, of all time. There is no question. No, no, I agree to that. I mean, I would say Connor's a nice number two because I don't think Chael ever psychologically got in your head as bad as the point where he just annoyed you with his hilarity. Where, like, Connor shit-talking, like, literally has fighters so frustrated that they go out there and, and don't even remotely fight like themselves. But, like, how would you feel if I told you before a fight that I was going to come over and slap Jen's ass and have her cook me a steak the way I like it, medium rare? I would knee you in the chest and rec- and keep my belt, much like Anderson Silva did. Come on now, when they asked him if his shit-talking was on the same level as Muhammad Ali and he looked the reporter dead in the face and said, it's an honor for Muhammad Ali to be in the same statement as me, was gold. I like Chael Sonnen. He would have been perfect for the WWE, to be honest with you. They wouldn't have even had to write his material. Apparently he goes to the shows and get back and goes backstage. He just hasn't really signed or anything. Apparently he has a pretty good relationship with Vince. I, Welcome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's perfect. He doesn't even have... Dude, he, he's only got to wrestle one time a year. If Lesnar can wrestle one time a year, why can't Chael? Well, DC's trying to get the WrestleMania uh, fight with Lesnar as it is because he says the story already wrote itself. They were supposed to fight in the UFC. It didn't happen. Then Kane came over and Lesnar beat his boy. So now DC wants to get revenge for Kane and to make up for the fight they never happened. I don't know, man. Keep Leonardo where he's at. There's no reason to send that Ninja Turtle over there. Oh, he moved up to Leonardo. Last time he brought him up, it was Donatello. Yeah, I don't hate him right now. I think you're the reason I hated him, to be honest with you. (laughs) 
Control uh, time? Oh, God. <laughs> I feel that way with a lot of fighters for you, too. Like, I can't stand Joanna because of you. She has hot girl hair. Oh, my God. Dude, the girl dresses up. She's, her, her Instagram, too. Absolute right. bombshell. What's the hate on Joanna? Can somebody send me a link, please? Give me a on second. it. I, well, I already put Dan on the karate hottie, you know, because he has an Asian wife, so oh, I figured he'd like her. Yeah. So he's got a type. <laughs> However, Joanna's Instagram, A+. plus. Well, I know Rob was a big fan of Claudia's, and we just put Shane on a Rachel Ostevich's uh, Instagram. Yeah, I really support her fighting career primarily for her Instagram. I don't blame you. Uh, she's much like Paige Van Zandt. Yeah, I'll be as shallow as I possibly can with that. Yeah, <laughs> fully agreed. Paige is another one who shouldn't have went to bare knuckle boxing. She, she's a blonde, pretty girl who's athletic. Who Vince McMahon would have pushed big time. She should have went over to be the WWE. She had a promising career as an Instagram model ahead of her. I don't know why she keeps fighting. Yeah, no, I'm not really too sure. Honestly, like she could have stayed in the UFC and just floated around the back end of the 15 and just abused women back there. She wasn't a bad fighter. Most of her losses came from highly ranked opponents. Most, not all, but most of her losses came from highly ranked opponents. So it's not like she was necessarily a bad fighter. She's just another one of the products of Dana White's overzealous and overpushing. Yeah, there's a couple examples like that. Like Sage Northcutt's another big example of that. Didn't he get his jaw broken in one FC in like 10 different places? Yeah, that guy's, uh, I forget his full name, but his nickname was Cosmo. He cracked him and fr- and shattered that jaw. A pretty big target to hit. In all fairness, he does have a very la- well, a rather large square head. I think the best thing I ever heard Sage Northcutt say is when he called Uriah Faber Mister Uriah. He called Uriah Faber Mister Uriah. I think it was like Mister Uriah or Mister Faber or something like that when he was one of the coaches in his corner after a win. I, I would have lost it had I heard that live. Such adorable little kids. He was a contender series, wasn't he? Wasn't he the uh, first contender series? No, he was a contender series. He was on that show, uh, Dana White looking for a fight when him and Matt Sarah were traveling around the country going to different local circuits and I think he was like the first finding one. people. Yeah, he was one of the first ones. That's where they found Mickey Gall when they brought in Mickey Gall for CM Punk. Uh Mickey you know what? After seeing him live and, and the fact that he's from Jersey, dude gets a hundred percent of the support. Oh my god, yeah. Oh Mickey, you're so fine, you're so <laughs> fine, you blow my mind. Hey Mickey. The fact that he comes out to that it's gold. Don't get us copyright infringed, please. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. I'm so sorry. Please, please cut that. Definitely getting DMCA'd. You bastard. You bastard. Last time we bring I am you in. I'm never going to be invited back. He's, he said Mickey with two Y's. Yeah, it was Mickey with uh, three C's, two Y's, and then I, not an A. Yeah, we're is that good. better? I, I don't think it is. Yeah, please just cut that. You could cut them, then leave the part of, uh, you know, copyright infringement so we can all laugh at him. Yeah, just... Yeah, what's your beef with Yolanda? Put that on my tombstone. You just made me dislike her. Why? We need info. Because like, Yolanda's how... an info. <laughs> I don't know. You just made me dislike her. I think it was the whole rose Yolanda uh, fight. You made me hate her. Well, that's because Rose... I, I honestly thought she... Look, Rose was really good. I just didn't think she'd be able to beat her. And I strongly talk smack for the female that I supported in said fight. And I told you from the beginning that Rose had the style to beat her. Rose beat her the first fight. And even Dana White and like 90% of the organization came out and said Rose got her ass beat the second. They were setting up the trilogy and the judges disagreed. Joanna's got to hope that Rose loses her next fight so she can possibly get another shot at the champion. Because if she loses to, if Zhang Weili loses to Rose, there's no shot at Joanna getting the belt. And if she does, if Wei Li does win and Yolanda gets a second chance and loses that, she's kind of screwed. I say she booked her, they're just going to book her against the seven to keep her fresh. I don't think Yolanda's booked right now. No, no, she's definitely not booked. She's not. They're looking at her to uh, fight the other uh, Chinese girl who just beat Claudia. And honestly, like, I thought Yolanda was actually winning the title fight against uh, against Lee, but until she got cracked, what was it, the fourth round, I think, when, you know, she basically grew a second head. Yeah, looking like Mega Mind. Yeah, I honestly thought she was winning the fight up until that moment. Oh, Zhang Weili cracked her hard enough in the forehead to the point where her whole forehead swelled up and she looked like friggin' Mega Mind. Yeah, she grew a horn. It's pretty bad, dude. I think it's still a, because I think it was the beginning of this year, it's still a fight of the year candidate. 
I don't. I honestly don't know because I don't. No, we were out. Uh, I think it was we, before quarantine. It was like February or March. So man, like uh, February twenty twenty was like a different year. Yeah, maybe early February then. Might as well be like nineteen ninety four. A different, much simpler time. Yeah, when I could just walk into a restaurant, no mask, no nothing. Sit at a bar next to people, like touching elbows. What a time! What a ah, time the good old like. days. All right, so I know you brought up the hype train earlier. Michael Chandler. So there has been a whole drama behind Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson. So we're going to start off with Tony. Tony, after losing to Justin Gaethje, was they were talking about booking him with Dustin Poirier. But both guys kind of sat out in support of each other because they were both trying to get more money. But unfortunately for Tony, the UFC then came and offered Poirier a fight he couldn't refuse with Conor because, you know, you don't say no to Conor McGregor money. So it sucked for Tony, but he has to understand the business aspect of it at least. So Tony went looking for a new fight. So he went on Twitter, went on the pages, went on the forums, seen who everybody was talking about, and he saw all the hype around Michael Chandler. So he said, all right, I want to fight that guy. So he called out Chandler. Chandler said no, he wasn't ready. Um, His team said they had other fights in mind for him. So then he went and called the organization, and the organization said they already had him booked. So Tony moved on. But then Michael Chandler saw some of the, I want to say, backlash. So then he said, okay, that's fine. We can fight, but let's do it at January's date instead of December's date. And Tony at that point said, I already booked and got a new fight. I moved on. He's now the co-main event of the pay-per-view next weekend against Charles Oliveira. But Michael Chandler recently came out with a reason, excuse, I don't know which way you want to call it, but he said he wasn't ready for another camp after doing the weight cut to be the backup and on standby for the Khabib and Gaethje fight. But now the UFC is saying one thing and saying they're in no rush to put him out there, but according to Tony, they told him he was booked. So what's the real story, and if he's booked, who is this mystery opponent? And apparently his first fight is supposed to be the January card. Uh, I believe he's the co- supposed to be the co-main event of the, uh, of the uh, Dustin Connor fight. So, uh, Sean, what do you think? Right now, I, I, I'm going to go with, um, first off, the whole fact that Michael Chandler has this much pull coming off a loss in, a, in an organization that... Hey, we, no, hold on, hold on. His last fight was a win. He knocked out Benson Henderson. Oh, yeah, in the rematch. Okay, I'm sorry. So he came off Does a that win. count, though? I mean, All I know right. it counts. But so like, he came does off a knockout of Benson Henderson, who I don't think has won more than two fights in Bellator at this point. He's not the same Benson he was, clearly. No, I think RDA broke him. The fact that he has this much pull is unreal. The fact that he can... And the UFC is just allowing it. They're, like, creating another another monster over there over a guy who has yet to set foot in a UFC octagon. And they're talking about, oh, well, he just went through this weight cut, blah, blah, blah. Yet they're making two flyweights, one who notoriously struggles to make weight, turn around and fight and headline a pay-per-view for them. Yeah, it's him unreal and, to me. Him and his opponent both fought on the same card, so they're both doing a 21-day turnaround and main eventing a pay-per-view next yeah, weekend. That's unreal. That's uh, like So you made an excuse for, for Chandler and now are expecting these two guys to make weight in a short amount of time after just literally going through a fight. Like, all right, so they went through a camp and they're stepping into another camp to now maintain a weight. And all three of us here have wrestled. It's not getting the weight, getting to the weight that's necessarily hard. It's the maintaining of the weight that's the most difficult part. At least that's the part that I found difficult. However, I had a crappy diet, which made it very difficult. But regardless of situation, the weight cut wasn't bad. It was always maintaining the weight. So you're telling me these... 125-pounders who are cutting ridiculous amount of weight have to now maintain that for 21 days, and you made the excuse for Chandler, like, oh, well, he can wait till January because he held all, He went through a camp to fight in, what was this, October? Or late October, I think it was? Yeah, about mid-October. So mid-October was their fight, and yet... So that's that's plenty of time for him to get another camp in, like, to fight in December. That's actually wild because I didn't even think about that. So, like, what, Figueredo and Moreno are supposed to just hang out in the 125 ballpark? I imagine uh, imagine Figgy probably walks around. He's got to walk around the mid-130s. Easy. I think he's higher. 
it, like I said, I'm, I might be a little generous he's, on that. He's he's a big boy for 125, so he's probably like 145, 150 area. Yeah, so he's walking around with that weight. He's cutting 25 pounds for his fight, so you know he's going to just try to be dehydrated for the next 21 days, just hanging out in the... Yeah, he's going to water weight it up. He's going to balloon himself weight. up yeah. with water weight just so he can sweat it back down and balloon him. Like, he's not going to maintain... Like, the, the nutrition part of this... It's, it's going to be, be a bad fight. Uh, yeah. Like, I might go on the record now and say it's going to be a bad fight. They're it's... going to gas by the third if they get there. What's Moreno's ranking anyway? I meant to ask He's that the earlier. number one contender. He's one. Really? Did yeah. that, that last fight put him at one? He was one already. He just maintained it after oh, being. Right. Because to get to the number one ranking, he beat Juicy Formiga. Fair enough. But Juicy Formiga. So, Fine. I guess back to your original question because I did kind of go off on a nice tangent there. Um, I, It's It's got to be someone like Gaethje. Who else would it would it make sense? Gaethje's booked, didn't he? No, he's nah. not. The three names I keep circling, I keep hearing circling the wagons is RDA on a quick turnaround, Justin Gaethje, who said he would be ready for a fight in January if they called him, or Dan Hooker. So, I think as far as easy goes, and, and a fight that Chandler can win to help boost his popularity, I think the Hooker fight makes more sense. Um, and I'm not saying Dan Hooker's an easy fight in, in any way, shape, or form. The way he went out and battled Poirier um, clearly showed that he's not going to be an easy fight for anyone. But yep. as far as that way goes, I mean, I, I think, I guess Hooker would be my my go-to to try and get Chandler to win. So that would be the fight that I think would make sense for Chandler. Yeah, I guess as far as like an air-quoted layup, yeah, I guess that would be the better of the three options if you're really going to try to push Chandler like they very clearly are. And what, Chandler, what's Hooker, the five? Hooker yes. right now is the five, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, Hooker's the five. I think RDA's the five as well. I think they're tied. No, he's tied with Oliveira for six. Okay, so close enough. So, I guess if you're going ranking-wise, maybe I'll change my vote to RDA, especially because he was a former champ. So if Chandler beats him, it's a little more credibility. Yeah, I know they said, because uh, RDA, when he won, he called out Connor because he said, those two, before if Khabib is really retired, those two were the last guys who were undisputed champions, not interim champions. So that fight makes the most sense for those two. So if you are Michael Chandler and you're trying to get that clout of a former champion, RDA would be the way to go because he is still a top guy. And I've said this before, nobody has had a harder resume. Like if you look at RDA's schedule, nobody has had a tougher schedule than RDA. Nobody. And now you're getting a guy who's fresh back in the division, coming off a big win, former champion. There's a lot to be said and a lot to be gained for a win over him. That's that's all well and good. I think that that's, that would be a good fight to make. I would watch that fight. Oh, I'd watch what? any of them because I think him and Gaethje would be the most violent and possibly entertaining. What? Oh, you watch every fight. It's not saying anything that you'd watch it. Got him. He's that's got fair. A point. So I want to put this out there. What's Kevin Lee doing? He is out. He tore his ACL. Shit. Never mind. Um, Because <laughs> if I'm the UFC, if I'm Dana White, I'm trying to get this dude to win against a ranked opponent ASAP. And I think that would be – he. Kevin Lee's at least got a little bit of name recognition to him. He's still in the top 15. I believe he's the 11. Well, that's why yeah, – That's be- your name recognition. He does a little bit of everything. He's a bit of a wrestler. He's a bit of a striker. He does a little bit of everything. Go out there, kick his ass, and now – now he's top 10. Now you can get his feet wet, get him set, and get him ready to roll. Well, that's why in the beginning when they were first bringing him over, I was saying Paul Felder. I would watch that fight. Uh, now that Dan pointed that out, that's not really a compliment. But with, with Chandler, you brought him over. The problem is the way they brought him over. You brought him over as an immediate fill-in for a title fight, which means anything less than a top-five fight, everyone in the world, I guess – I mean, the, the air quote, casual is not going to understand what's going on, but anyone who hardcore watches the sports like Paul is going to understand it. They are now just giving him a gimme to keep him relevant. Absolutely. Um, and, th- and that's what they did to themselves. And again, this is a guy who came from a lesser organization mm-hmm. who's getting better opportunities than guys who have been on nine fight win streaks. So fuck it. Give him RDA. Let, let, him, let him go against RDA and let RDA clean his clock. I, I don't. I'm in. I don't really know what else to say. Either way, any of those fights are good. Because um, even Hooker, I think Chandler might be more skilled than Hooker, but it might be a tough guy competition. He's got to have a foot and a half reach on him. And Hooker is tough, man. He's going in there and going five rounds with, uh, most recently with Felder and with uh, Poirier. But before that, he stood there and took body kicks from Edson Barboza till he couldn't stand anymore. 
you and I both, we all know that nobody wants to take those kicks from Barbosa. No. No, I mean, look, I like Hooker. I think he's a good fighter. But I think Hooker is your stereotypical top five. Like, he is the five. Like, oh. he's not going to be a four or a three. Oh, he's your gatekeeper. He is the five. If you want to get into that, you know, conversation for the belt, you got to beat him. However, I don't think he's ever outside of someone coming in and wiping one to four completely out is going to be in conversation. Are, for are you belt. calling him Cowboy? Are you calling him Cowboy Cerrone? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, even Cowboy got his opportunity. He just I know how smoked. to push buttons. Well, Cowboy, no, the, the difference between Cowboy and Hooker is Cowboy would go on like 10 fight runs. And then he'd get to the uh, big fight in, in typical Cowboy fashion. Wouldn't show up for the big one. Well, you know, you take a shoulder to the nose and then you lose your biggest fight to date. That, well, that's been his that's been his entire history. He'd get to the big fight and then shit the bed. Yeah, RDA, I think, killed him with a body kick quick. Yeah. It's like one liver kick, boom, done. I think that's how Pettis beat him, too, the first time. The knee, uh, the knee off the cage. Yeah. Connor put a shoulder into his uh, middle of well, his he, face. Well, he caught him with the hip and the jaw first. Yeah. I was trying to ignore that, but yeah. Sorry, I really like Cowboy. I was... Uh, was pretty uh, beat up that night. Same. I had to drive, so I was all right that night. What an anniversary. That was a wedding. You weren't even at the anniversary yet. <laughs> that was your wedding day. Tomato, tomato, dude. It's all the same, the same day. thing. Who goes to the Buffalo Wild Wings to watch Cowboy McGregor fight after their wedding? Us. That's who. Yeah. But since we're on the topic. I'm sorry, who's us? You didn't get married? Yeah. Loser. I said after a wedding. I didn't say it was my you wedding. You said after we got married. I said, we, who goes to a fight after a wedding? We did. Did you change Run your last name because you got married to a dude, Paul? Is that why Ryan. it's Ryan? Oh, my God. It makes sense now. <laughs> I'm an ordained minister, Paul. I can marry you. It's okay. So if you're Mrs. Ryan, who's Mr. Ryan? I'm definitely the butch, not the Betty. Get it get it right. That's a weird hill to die on. That is a really <laughs> weird place to take your shame. Oh, I have, no, I have no shame. I don't care. That is very true. That's not true. You have a lot of shame. Oh. You just hide it better. I've seen no shame. This is not it. (laughs) You've seen me and Sean go back and forth like this multiple times. You know Uh, there's no shame when it comes to that. Now I just need the one where you guys get Shane here. Oh, God. And just do like the Hardy Brothers podcast. It'll be like the Horford Happy Hour, Dan, but it'll be the Hardys, and they'll just talk shit for an hour. We no longer use that name in our house. Horford. I said I know how to push buttons. (laughs) Okay, so you want me to push your mute button. Got it. Uh, Oh, there we go. Gotta love that mute button. <laughs> What's that around the horn when you get that 30-second like timeout? Yeah, I feel like it's coming. And they even put the X over your face to embarrass you more. So now that we talked about Chandler, so we got to get back on topic here a little bit. Chandler, who Chandler could potentially be fighting. Let's break down a little bit of uh, Tony's fight. Because I believe I'll, uh, Charles Oliveira is on an eight-fight win streak. Are you serious? Yeah, I think he's on an eight-fight win streak. Um, Yeah, he's kind of Tony part two right now. His striking has, ever since coming back to the lightweight division, his striking and his power have really shown up. He's been actually putting people away with his strikes, not just his submissions. Go ahead. Am I mixing up my Oliveira? Is this the same guy that uh, Pettis uh, guillotined like a couple years back? Yeah, that was that same guy. So so what, did he just, after that fight, just turn it on and just start whooping ass? Pretty much. Yep. That's a fair way to put it. His last fight was against... uh, Kevin Lee. He, so that's all I remember is him getting tapped out by uh, Pettis in his return to featherweight. That's all I remember. So his la- yeah, his last fight is when he uh, tapped out Kevin Lee, and that was Kevin Lee's last fight before he tore his ACL. Yeah, Oliver's been on an absolute tear. He's been killing everybody, but I, the problem is he's not killing anybody in front of him. He's always been beating up guys like behind him. So he though an eight well, the fight- first one in front of him was Kevin. He's the reason Kevin's as back as far as he is. That's fine. That's fair. But my point being is, like, now you're no longer fighting them back-end top 10 guys, the guys who are unranked. You're getting pretty much the guy. Excuse me, sorry. Um, One of them. Well, outside of Khabib, I mean, in reality, if... I would say or, that... He, and Gaethje, I guess. So, yeah, one of the top three guys. You're getting him. You're getting Tony, who's 9-1 and one in his last 10 fights, coming in against the guy who's on an eight-fight, roughly an eight-fight streak. Yeah, my man Tony wasn't lost... Well, outside of the one since, what, like 2012? Yeah, it's, Good it's God. insane. Think about where you were in 2012, and that was the last time that dude lost before this past summer. Did we just graduate it? Right. That was the year me and you got in our car accident. And there's the pessimistic version of it. 
I got that. Thanks. You're Thanks welcome. Still I regret bringing this up. So, yeah. Douchebag. Anyway, you, how is he the douchebag? He brought up the year. That's that's the most memorable thing from that year for me. Okay. Congratulations. Fine. So, yeah, anyway, Oliveira has pretty <laughs> much turned himself into, in, into like, a Tony B-grade. Yeah, I, I would say Tony point five. He's like a B-grade <laughs> version of Tony. I don't know. I'd say Tony is still the better striker, but I would say on the ground, you have to give the advantage to Oliveira. I would so how many submission to- wins does Tony have? He's got a good amount. He's got a good amount, but I, I mean, believe you gotta gotta have something. I believe Oliveira is at the top of the list. Yeah, he's got like the he's Dars one, joke. two, or three on the list for most submissions in UFC history. Yeah, so if, if it stays standing, it's Tony's fight for sure. I don't, I can't see Oliveira beating him in the striking game. However, I also was this confident of Tony going in against Gaethje, until Gaethje apparently found his composure and didn't go out swinging. So yeah, Gaethje after those Poirier fight definitely found his uh, patience. Completely changed who he was as a fighter, to be honest with you. So, I'm I'm fully expecting Tony to win this and get right back. Probably, back. I, Tony's a win away from the belt, and Oliveira's a ranked opponent, top ten opponent. So for Tony, this is a must win. For Oliveira, this is an everything to gain and really nothing to lose type of fight. Yeah, he loses this fight, he could still get a fight in the top five, like that. Especially it's, depending on the showing. And it all depends on what happens. Like I said, with a. Uh, with Gaethje, what Gaethje wants to do, because you still got Chandler out there, because Chandler could be one fight away. Connor Poirier, you never know with that one. And you still have Dana White not making any decisions or any calls on what he's doing with the belt with Khabib yet. Look, at this point, I'm not saying you strip Khabib. And, like, I'm one of the worst people to it, and I say it all the time that I hate intern belts. But if you got your, your title holder who's debating, who's retired this week, not, you know... Strap it in. You're not stripping Khabib. Strap an intern belt on it and at least keep the division moving. I'm with that. At least keep the guys, you know, give them a belt to fight for. Like yeah, they give Because, what, Khabib's got to be top five all time, right? I I would argue top five all time. But He's like, definitely in the top, in the conversation for top lightweight of all time, but I don't think, don't get me wrong, what he's done has been tremendous. But he doesn't have that longevity and long title reign that puts him in there with those guys and, for that top. Five spot. That's a fair counterpoint, but what I'm saying is, you know, you have one of your, one of your like most well-known fighters, a guy that's been, he's 29 and 0. Because I mean, Christ sakes. Like, I mean, we all think Ronda Rousey isn't that good, but you still have to put her in the top conversation for the females. But, just because you're a trailblazer doesn't mean you're good. I mean, she did have seven title defenses before the women's bantamweight division was anything, and yeah. I didn't think I'd be on this side of the fight. Yeah, because no, I liked Rousey at the time. I fully agree with you. Both actually. Like a hundred percent, because what Rousey was for the women's for women's MMA. I mean, everyone if you if you watch the sport a little bit consistently, everyone kind of knew who Cyborg was and Gina Carano because they were the big names. But really, even someone like Misha Tate, you really didn't even know Misha Tate all that well until her rivalry with Ronda. Ronda exploded women's MMA and made Dana White eat her wor- eat his words of "I'll never have women fighting in the UFC." And now there's a women's fight. Every card. And I can admit that, but that doesn't mean you got to put her in your top 10, 5. I would eight, say for whatever. women, she's, she's got to be yeah. in the top 5. Yeah. I but would if we're going to do overall. Yeah, for women, I would say for women, you got to go Nunez, Shevchenko, and Cyborg 1, 2, and 3. But then it starts. And then it'll getting, be Rousey. Then it's like Rousey. And then you have like. Either Holm or Tate. Holm or Tate. You could put Yoana up there. Oh, I, and dude, I don't even think Yoana. Yoana should be there. She's got and, the most title defenses in. Strawweight history. In strawweight history. She's one title defense behind Rousey. And just be nice to my girl, Carla Sparza. Yeah, first ever. Yeah, she was the first ever, uh, what's that? What's that? Oh, strawweight. I forgot the name of the division for a second there. So. Too much swoosh there, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the whole Tony Ferguson thing. Off on our little tangents. Look, Tony, honestly, like, like I was kind of saying a little bit ago, is like they, they did it in the 35 when Dominic Cruz couldn't stay healthy for the life of him. He kept going out, kept going out, and they gave Hen- they put up the intern belt. Hennon Burrell won it, and Hennon Burrell defended the intern belt. Four or five times. A couple times before. That's wild to me. Right. They, he defended it a couple times before they finally said, all right, you know what, you're the champion, before ultimately losing it to, to Dillashaw. But my point being is, why not do that for the lightweight division? And then when Khabib's comes back and Khabib's ready to fight, if he's ever ready to fight again, he didn't get stripped. He's still the title holder, and he gets the immediate shot the second he comes back. Hear me out. He could do the Connor and carry the belt everywhere with him. 
the Connor slash uh, Colby thing where you just carry the belt with you wherever you go and just claim yourself as the champ. You could always do that too. That's also a totally uh, acceptable thing. I don't. But I think, doubt Khabib would do it. Yeah, I don't think Khabib is that level of douchebag. No, he's he's a he's a nice person. I mean, maybe if he got Connor's belt, like maybe if he knocked Connor out for a second time, I feel like he would wear he would fit that belt to like fit his pants. So that would be his everyday going out belt. That's what I would do with it at least. Put Connor's face on it so Connor can see it every time he's out. Absolutely. You know what's going to be funny when Rob hears this portion, he's going to hate it. Because he's not here to defend Connor or Chandler. I feel like Rob's going to be mad in the first 30 seconds because I pointed out his Harley Davidson rings. No, that's very true. But, I mean, I can do my Robin person and say, listen, I've said it before on other episodes. I like Connor in the ring. I like the way that he fights. I do not like how he acts outside of the octagon. God, it's spot on. Even down to the mannerism. You guys spend way too much time together. I also like how Paul's the one judging douchebags because clearly it takes one to know one. Ooh. Got him. That's fair. It definitely is. <laughs> it definitely I, no, is. No, I'm not a douchebag. I'm an asshole. There's a difference. Sure. You know who has to say they're not a douchebag? Douchebags? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, gang up on me, Dave. Well, that, that's that was, not that, new. That was a LeBron-esque alley-oop. It was perfect. It's two weeks in a row, bro. It's more like a LeBron free throw. Ooh. You hate to see it. He didn't even know that that was a potential bad thing right now. Oh, no, yeah, I knew. He, he was just taking a guess. Oh, no, <laughs> I knew. Yeah. What's his free throw percentage? Like, well, it's like later in his season, he's shooting under 70. Yeah, and Oof. later in the game, if, if the game is closer, the percentage goes down. That's what a LeBron hater sounds like right there. Um, I mean, it's just the fact that he shot like 68% from the line last season. Look, it's pretty bad. Can't say anything to or from it. Uh, I didn't really watch basketball the second it hit the bubble outside of the Sixers playoff run. Well, you didn't watch much basketball then. Yeah, no, wasn't really. I was not interested in the bubble. You can hear the pain in that sigh from Dan. I know. So it was either pain or boredom. Uh, a little bit of both. Yeah. Anyway, lightweight division, Bellator-style tournament. That's what I want. I mean, you could do that. I think it's very bellator so what do you got? A it's eight the man, best thing Bellator does. Eight-man bracket or top two get by? Six-man bracket, top two get by. Which way are you going? Six-man. You'd say it's top, top, top six-man, top two get by. And even so though, what's, what's your rankings? I, I think he would just go straight with the rankings as is and just put Chandler in there somewhere. I but the problem is they would the definitely six. give Connor the bye. You yeah. you, even though Connor's like ranked the fourth or, fi- so four or Connor five. So Connor and Gaethje would get probably the get the bye. So yeah. then, uh, no, but then that that works out fine. So now I got Dustin and Connor in round one. I know that's probably not ideal. Well, no, Connor would be getting the bye, so Dustin would have to fight somebody else. So it'd be Tony. So it'd be there. You go. Give me, give me Dustin and uh, Chandler. Chandler, and just let him run through him. And Tony Dustin and Oliveira. So that means Hooker would kind of be left out in the cold. Sucks to suck. Should have yeah, lost so last fight. Hooker versus RDA. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> Winner gets your fill-in spot. It's the best thing so. Bellator does, honestly. In all reality, like that's one. the one thing that like I really enjoy from Bellator is the fact that. They have these tournaments to decide your belt. Where the UFC is like, yeah, I understand that like you're only rank like nine, like they did with Dan Henderson and Michael Bisping. Like, yeah, we get it, dude. You're the ninth rank, but you're gonna make us money, so we're gonna give you a title shot. Was so he like, even the nine at that point? He was low in far in, in terms of getting a title shot. Low. So it's the one thing Bellator does right. Yeah, yeah, it is the best part of Bellator. But we're gonna move on. There is a fight night this week the main event changed again it was supposed to be originally darren till versus jack hermanson but then till got hurt so till got pulled then kevin holland stepped in on short notice but then kevin holland tested positive for covid so he got pushed back and is now fighting jockeray so now you have the number four and jack hermanson fighting the number 13 i believe in marvin vittori as the main event this weekend. And I think that's a great fight. Marvin Vittori is very underrated. His only loss in the past two or three years was a split decision loss to Israel Adesanya. And he's a guy a lot of people in that top 10, top 15 have been avoiding. They've been refusing to sign on to. Yeah, that's kind of what happens when, yeah, he is the number 13. It's kind of what happens when you're, uh, you turn into a dangerous fighter. I mean, people, especially you're, you're now floating inside the top ranked. People don't want to take you because... Uh, a lot of people are scared to lose their ranking. And if you're a dangerous fighter who's 
only loss, well, maybe not only loss, but his lo- most recent loss was a split decision loss to Adesanya, and the rest of them are wins, it's definitely something to to prevent you from, from wanting that fight. Uh, I'm with you on that. I just, I know you got to fight to get paid, but like, you know, you work, you work your ass off, you get to the top of the rankings, you get yourself in title talks. Now you take a fight against the 13. I I know you got to be confident. You got to take the fight. You got to get paid. You got to beat the guy, prove that you're up for anything. Like the, like the thing Conor McGregor always like prided himself on air quotes, like anybody, any weight, anytime, anywhere, whatever. You got to have that. But I, I, I just don't know, you know, it's a fight. Anything can happen. Look at Matt Sarah, GSP. Anything could happen. You go out there, you lose, and you just lose everything that you worked so hard for. It just seems such like a low risk, well, low th- or sorry, high risk, low reward fight. I just don't know why you sign off on that. Aside well, from needing money, I give Jack Hermanson credit. He has never ran away or avoided a fight. Like there was a time nobody wanted to fight Jared Cannonier. Nobody in that middleweight division. He was the only guy who was willing to step up. Everybody was, even though he was on a skid, was running away from Kelvin Gastelum. He took that fight. And now everybody, I don't want to say they're avoiding Darren Till, but they're nervous about taking that fight with Darren Till. And he was the first one to raise his hand and said, give him to me. No, and that's fine. I give him respect, but what does respect get you Like if you if you lose this fight? Then my, my respect, your respect, Dan's respect, Sean's respect, the UFC's respect means nothing if he loses this fight. Now he drops to the bottom end of the top 15. He's got to win a shit ton of fights to get back up to the top and put himself back where he was right now. Gets him that attention and puts money in his pocket. That's all. Yeah, I couldn't really agree with you more, to be honest with you. I mean, look, Hermanson, it gets him attention, kind of like what Paul said. Really, it just holds his place. That's really it. He gets a win, and he secures probably... I mean, I'm not saying he's going to get next in line because obviously Whitaker. I know we went on a tent. Well, Rob like hated him last week, and you kind of hated on him too. Whitaker's the next line guy in line at middleweight. No answer for butts. It's Whitaker. He should be, but that's if he wants to take it. The problem is, like he said, he already turned it down, which is why Izzy is now getting the title fight against Jan. Yeah, he fought two tough fights in a row, and he went to spend a little time with his family to fight again in 2021. I mean, it's not like he was taking a lot of time off. He just wanted to fight in 2021. And they were trying to rush him back in 2020, from what I read. Okay. I would say no to that, too. That's fine. Uh, um, I, I agree with that, actually. But um, what I was going to say was, uh, can we talk about how good it is on Vittori to land this fight? Good for him. Good yeah. for him to pull in a top-five guy. Everything from, to gain, nothing to lose. And yeah, from he, a guy who couldn't get a fight. Yeah. Like, nobody was accepting a fight with him. Nobody. The only one who was willing to step up was Jacare. But now Jacare... Speaking of it, because he lost his fight with Marvin Vittori, but now Kevin Holland is now going to step in against Jacare a little bit later when he gets by the uh, when he gets through the COVID protocols. So good on him because you know Jacare is a big name too. So he, Kevin Holland has a lot of uh, to gain in that fight. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, beating a guy like Holland, or beating I'm sorry, Holland beating a guy like Jacare puts huge name recognition under your belt most likely jumps you into a ranking, which Jacare should clearly be in. So so for him, it's it's kind of the same scenario, in the sense, everything to gain, nothing to lose. Uh, for Jacare, it's one of them, like, you need to win to probably get your act, get that number back next to your name that you probably deserve. Because he's, yeah. not, he's not ranked anymore, I believe, in the middleweight, because he took one fight up at light heavyweight. Light heavyweight, and he went five rounds with Jan Blachowicz. Um, yeah, but this weekend, other than that one, there's not a lot of star power on this fight or, or on this card. Um, like you said, Ovin St. Pru is booked. He's the co-main event. But we said time and time again that with these fights, you got to pay attention and you got to watch. Well, you don't have to, but you should because these are the type of fights and cards where you get a lot of knockouts and get a lot of exciting things because people want to show up and show out and make a name for themselves. Especially when it's free and everybody can check in. That too. What's everybody doing on Saturday night anyway, especially nowadays? Unless it's on ESPN Plus, then you got to spend like $5. I think this is ESPN 2. It's on ESPN 2. Not 100% sure, it doesn't say. No, there's really not. I mean, De La Rosa is a fairly big name for the women. I don't even think she's ranked anymore. No. So she was a fairly big name. She's an up-and-coming prospect. Uh, She's someone to keep an eye on for sure. And then Jack Hermanson and, and really Marvin. Vittori because they're they're going to be the two who are out there and and you really have one person fighting to keep his spot and someone looking to come and 
Take it. Take it and put himself. Uh, he's not going to be in title contention, but he's going to be one or two fights away easily if he wins this fight in yeah. Vittori. He beats somebody like Jack Hermanson. He just booked himself into a fight with uh, Darren Till, Yoel Romero, or uh, Cannoneer. Dude, what's Yoel Romero doing? Absolutely nothing right now. I haven't even heard anything from him. Yeah, like there's nothing brewing for that guy at all. You would think somebody would try to take him, even though I know he's a dangerous name. Like somebody like maybe Kelvin Gastelum trying to get his name in that hat to get himself back in the top five. I mean, he, he's kind of going to be another cowboy in the sense that he's going to be one of the greatest fighters of all time to never win a belt. Him, Uriah, take your pick. Definitely them three, because, I mean, they've both had, they, all three of them had their fair share of fights for that belt. Uriah's what, lost two to Whitaker? And he would have won against Rocco, but he missed weight. And then he had uh, his loss to Adesanya, which was arguably one of the worst title fights in title fight history. Yeah, that one was up there. But it looks like we're going to wrap things up. Maz, you want to give yourself one more plug? Yeah, uh, if you uh, care to subject yourself to poor Philadelphia sports takes, my uh, at on Twitter is at Aunt Maziotti. That's uh, two Zs, two Ts. If you listen to this network, you should be very, very equipped for that. So I highly recommend Thank you, Dan. Dan has a lot of hot takes, too. They're that, usually funny for me to read and that, watch. That is not true. I'm not a hot take guy. Uh, everything I say is usually right. Well, more of an angry rant kind of take. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> anger. I don't know if the takes are necessarily hot, but there's a lot of rage behind them. I mean, it sounds like a rageful voice. It's kind of the way the year's going. Yep. Wasn't a very good year for Philadelphia sports. Wasn't a very good around. year. That, too. But that's going to be it. Feel free to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Thank you for the listens. We appreciate it. Hopefully Rob will be back next week. Yeah, Dan's saying iffy, so we'll get him back eventually. And hopefully we can get (laughs) Maz back again at some point. And thank you for checking in. This is Punches and Potables. Punching out. Have a good night, everybody. Cheers. I love that. I did it again, damn it. No, I, I'm kind of down for the sparkle thing, too. <laughs> <laughs>